This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. Have you gotten your special report yet? Remember, we're doing that special promotion just for you podcast listeners. It's called How to Invest Like Warren Buffett, and you can still get it at zax.com slash value. So that's Z-A-C-K-S dot com slash value, V-A-L-U-E. So be sure to get over there and get your free report. And speaking of Warren Buffett... He gave an interview to CNBC early in this new year, so he was on our televisions, and um, he was interviewed by CNBC anchor Becky Quick, and she asked him a, a bunch of general market questions, and she also asked him about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, because of course he's sitting there, so you're going to ask him what he's thinking about the crazy mania-like conditions in the cryptos. And this got a lot of media attention because of what his answer was. So I wanted to read exactly what he said um, so that we don't misunderstand anything. And um, first of all, he wanted to just address what was going on with the cryptocurrency. So he said, quote, we don't own any. We're not short any. We'll never have a position in them. I get into enough trouble with the things I think I know something about. Why in the world would I take a long or short position in something I don't know about? Then he said, in terms of cryptocurrencies generally, I can say almost with certainty that they will come to a bad ending. Now, when it happens or how or anything else, I don't know. And he was uh, basically almost immediately attacked for, <laughs> for these comments on the cryptos. Of course, they called them old close-minded, ignorant, you know, oh, there's Warren Buffett, ha, 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 you know, just another 87-year-old who doesn't get it, who doesn't know that this is a new technology and what's going to happen with them. But as I heard these reactions and I heard his comments, I actually watched his comments when he was making them and I said, oh boy, you know, I know this is going to go down, you know, not too well for him. But this reaction, calling him, you know, basically names, is nearly identical to the heat that he took in the late 1990s. And I know I've talked about this before on the show, but if you remember going back then, or maybe you don't know, he refused to buy the dot-coms back then when there were no earnings. He wasn't in many of the technology stocks at all because basically he said he didn't understand them, they were too confusing, and or they just weren't good companies. Um, he also went on to talk about back in the 90s about these new emerging technologies. And I know I've talked on another episode about the speech he gave to shareholders of Berkshire in 1999 about um, emerging technologies, but it's good to talk about it again because that's what blockchain is. Blockchain is this emerging technology and nobody is saying that the technology isn't legitimate and that there won't be investing opportunities there. And Buffett would be the first to say that there, there likely will be investing opportunities. But he always compares the emerging technologies to what's happened in the past with technologies that we now take for granted, but at one time were cutting edge. So he talked about the thousands of auto companies that were around after, you know, Ford 
came into existence, yes, there was literally thousands of them. Um, they all weren't winners, obviously. And then even with the airlines, after the airplane was invented, from something like 1920 to 1940, there were like 200 domestic U.S. airlines. It's kind of hard to believe now. And even just 30 or 40 years ago, there were several more dozen than what exists now with, I would say, you know, kind of the big three, United, American, and Delta. Then you have, you know, some of these smaller regional ones, JetBlue, Alaska, and those, Hawaiian. But before, even not too long ago, there was you know, double that number. And then these ones now have become basically the winners. And if you think of the railroads in the 1800s, there were several hundreds of those crisscrossing the country. That was a huge emerging technology. Um, a lot of people made fortunes in it. And a lot of people went bust in it too. And now there are less than 10 of those in the U.S. and you can throw in Canada in there too. And one of them, Burlington Northern, is now owned by Berkshire. So um, with blockchain technology, we're only scratching the surface right now of what's going to happen with that because it is emerging and it is so new. So think back to 1996 when the internet was emerging and you had companies like Yahoo. I don't think anyone, because um, that was a big stock in 1996, I don't think anyone could have foreseen Google just a few years later or that Yahoo would basically um, not really be a player anymore only, you know, two decades later and that Google would be the winner. This is the whole point of um, Buffett's uh, problems with the emerging technology is that you may know that there's money to be made in the emerging technologies, but made in who? There are no winners when it's first emerging out. Um, eventually there will be, but initially there aren't. And um, back to the Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies, as far as Buffett's concerned, he likes to invest in companies you know, that have intrinsic value. And Bitcoin obviously is not a company. <laughs> it's a cryptocurrency. It's this item. It has no actual assets to value. Um, there, you can argue, and many have, that there's other ways to value it, but it has actual no asset. So there's nothing wrong with Buffett admitting he doesn't understand it. Um, he knows how to value companies with assets, and he knows how to value those that see an increase in the business as the economy improves. That's his game. And he's good at it. So why should he switch to this other game he's not good at? So that's a little piece of advice for many of you. Um, so if you're feeling dumb for not buying Bitcoin or Ripple or Litecoin or whatever else the other cryptos are and thinking, oh, they're all getting rich and I'm not. Well, Buffett's a billionaire and he's not in any of this. Um, and he's made it all off of stocks. So there's other ways to make money through investing, and it might feel old-fashioned to bet on the companies, um, but you know that way has been a success for many people over dozens of years. So um, there will be ways to invest in the blockchain technology. As I said, Buffett would be the first to say, you know, obviously there are companies, and this is an emerging technology, but 
there's no way of picking the winners here. So also in 1999, Buffett told this crowd that there were three ways the stock market could um, keep rising with double-digit returns given the valuations. And you have to remember, in 1999, it had been almost, uh, what, 17 years of um, rising stock market and basically, on average, almost um, you know, 17 18% gains per year on average. So everyone back then was wondering how much longer could this be going. So it's kind of relevant to what's going on now. How much longer can this stock market be going? And he gave three scenarios in 1999 that could keep it going that I think are interesting for today as well. So the first one was if interest rates fell and remained below historical levels. The second one was if the share of the economy that went to the investor, as opposed to employees and the government, rose above its historic levels. And the third one was if the economy simply started to heat up and grow faster than normal. Well, if you look at these three scenarios for today, interest rates have fallen and they continue to be near all-time lows. In fact, in the same interview that Buffett talked about the Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies, he also was asked whether or not the market was overvalued and said no because of those interest rates being so low. They're still below historic values. And even if they rise this year, which they're expected to, they'd still be below historic levels um, unless we get a super severe spike. But it's going to take a lot, which he even said in the interview. It's going to take, you know, a much higher rates before the interest rates really start to impact. And then the second one about um, the share of the economy that goes to the investor, I thought this one was even more interesting because thanks to those corporate tax cuts, this has changed as well. So instead of 37% going to the government of most companies, um, you now have 21 or at least somewhere in the 20s. Not everybody's getting the 21, but substantially lower. So that amount instead of going to the government is now going to be split between um, employees because some companies are now giving those special bonuses. They're increasing wages. That's going to go to the employees, but a big chunk is also going to go to the investor in terms of dividend increases, share buybacks. It's going to go back to the investor. So suddenly the percentage that's going to the investor, the percentage of the economy is above its historic levels, which I think is really key to this rally. And then we have number three, if the economy started growing faster than normal, well, we are seeing a little bit faster than we saw for the last um, eight or nine years. It looks like we may see 3% GDP um, for several quarters in a row here. We'll see if it pans out. But we might be able to sustain the 3%, which is a little bit faster. So the economy is heating up. So we don't have just one of these conditions to get the double-digit returns. We, we see all three. So, um, you know, this is bullish for the stock market. And, um, you know, if you're looking for a way to play this continuing rally, if we get it, and here in 2018... Where would you look? Because we know Buffett likes the large cap winners. And by winners, I mean um, the companies that are sometimes in these older school 
um, technologies. Uh, so we know he likes to buy what many consider to be the boring companies, right? Um, he's not buying the blockchain, um, although he did own IBM, but now he's sold most of it. So he sold it um, before um, the the serious blockchain um, type of stuff started being in play with IBM. But, um, you know, he owns these kind of, um, like I said, older school, older technology companies that have emerged as winners in their respective um, industries. So while there might have been hundreds of railroads, there's less than 10 now, and he owns one of them. So he owns that winner. And if you own the winner... Uh, that can be real profitable for you as an owner because that's what you are in these stocks. You're an owner. So Becky Quick, during that CNBC interview, did ask him about GE because I'm sure many of us are wondering, like, hey, is he snooping around or um, starting to accumulate a position there? I'm not sure if Berkshire's already in it. I'd have to go look. Um, but is he adding more if he is? And, of course, he couldn't say whether or not they were buying because of the compliance and um, we're just going to have to wait and see. But GE's at those multi-year lows. There's a lot of doom and gloom. And Buffett likes to buy at the lows and when everybody else thinks, you know, the end is near. So I thought I'd start out by looking at GE here and whether or not, you know, the rest of us should be buyers. So they're going to report on uh, January 24th. So that's coming up quickly if you're listening to this podcast um, in early 2018. So we'll find out more then, but Wall Street Journal and a lot of other media are reporting that it looks like they may split up the company and um, kind of spin off some of the bigger divisions like the Baker Hughes, which they just acquired. They might spin that off. So this leaves a lot of questions out there. But right now, as far as the fundamentals, um, we have revenue here at Zach's. We have the revenue... Um, estimates unchanged from 2017 to 2018. So no real sales growth is expected there. So that's just kind of meh in an, an economy that's heating up to not see any revenue growth. I don't like that much. Um, earnings also kind of the same. They're, they're down pretty sharply from, 27, from 2016 into 2017, but they're just basically flat so far in 2018 because I think the analysts don't know what to do until they're given more guidance. Um, but Buffett likes buying when there's difficulties. Um, I'm not sure he'd, he'd be buying if there's breakups. I don't know. And is the stock even cheap enough for him? It's trading at 18 times. Um, again, I don't know if that's cheap enough for a true value investor. It doesn't seem cheap enough for me to take some of the risks, but I don't think he sees, uh, many risks there once, you know, stock has traded a lot lower, um, actually some of that risk comes off, obviously. So GE, it's one to keep on your watch list. It is a Zach's number five, uh, strong sell right now because of those, um, earnings estimates are in the decline there, even though they're expected to be flat for next year, but, um, one to keep on the list, but let's turn to some companies that have better Zach's ranks ones or twos. And you know what that means? That means earnings are expected to be growing here. And these are some of the old school winners that you should be on the watch out for. Um, I always love these kind of companies that have been around for forever. They have won. They've defeated their competitors. Uh, and they're in industries that, again, may seem boring, but we're all using the products. So the first one on the list is Masco. Their ticker is M-A-S. 
They were founded in 1929. They're in Michigan. They have a $14 billion market cap, so this is not a small company, but they are in plumbing, so they make faucets and shower heads. They have the Delta brand. You might know that one. They do paints and primers. They have the Bear brand, B-E-H-R. Many people know that if you've been home remodeling. They have cabinets for your kitchen and your bathroom. They, they make craft made. A lot of people know that. They do the countertops. So they're in a lot of the home remodeling area, and that's been hot. Um, earnings expected to be up 29% this year in 2017. We're still waiting to hear how that finished out, but 29%. And then another 18% in 2018, so still strong. You're not going to get super cheap anymore because a lot of people are in on this trade, but um, trading about 19.9 times here. Um, trading at $45, so this is not one of the ones that's, you know, $200 or, you know, way sky high up there. So that's Masco MAS. Um, similar company, and I didn't realize this until I was kind of looking around on their websites to see what it is um, their their brands were, is basically one of their competitors. So while Masco has one, so has this company, Fortune Brands, Home and Security, FBHS. Uh, they also make cabinets, plumbings. They do doors as well. Their um, cabinets are kitchen craft, and they have like mowing, mowing, sorry, mowing, um, faucets and stuff. You may know that brand, but they also do on the security side, they have master lock, which many of you also know. So these are just the common things you have in use at home or your businesses, but um, we've all used them for decades now. Fortune Brands Home and Security was uh, founded in 1988, so not quite as old, and they're in Illinois. They have a $10 billion market cap and nice double-digit earnings growth expected to finish out 2017 at about 11.6%. 2018 uh, expected 13%. They are about as expensive as Masco, about 20 times with the PE. They pay a dividend 1%. Did I say if Masco does? Um, yeah, Masco does too, 0.9. So almost the same, around 1% for both of these. And um, they're trading around $70. So again, at least under 100, which is kind of hard to find in this in the stock market. I know it's crazy. Uh, so that's Fortune Brands. I like them a lot, FBHS. And then we have Sherwin-Williams, the largest paint uh, company in the world now, now that they've acquired Valspar. Their ticker is SHW. They were founded in 1866 in Cleveland. They're still in Ohio. So these nice Midwest companies... Uh, PE, little on the high side still for me. I've been waiting for a pullback on Sherwin-Williams for like years now. It's not happening, so I'm not in it. But um, you have to be the judge of if you're buying for the growth here. The earnings expect to be up 20% this year, 2018, 25%. So that's pretty sharp. I don't know if um, some of the tax reform is included in these numbers, so it might go up even more. Dividend, 0.8, so you get a little bit something. Um, they're reporting on January 25th, if you're listening to this early in the year, and um, $39 billion market cap now, so quite massive. And the shares are trading at around $435. So, yeah, this is one of those that's way up there. Um, so Sherwin-Williams, SHW. Then we have Deer & Company. This is also a nice Midwestern company founded in 1837, almost 200 years old now, um, always going to be farming. They're in Moline, Illinois, 
and they do both agriculture and construction equipment. It's been a real uh, downer of a time the last couple of years. Everybody's bought those combines, and then the incomes of the farmers have just really dropped globally. And um, so they're not buying any new equipment, and they don't need to because equipment's made so well now. But construction side has picked up, and analysts are more bullish that eventually agriculture will pick up. P's around 20 uh, times, so not super cheap here either. Fiscal 2018, earnings growth of 21%. Fiscal 2019, 22%. These estimates are actually being raised, so we got a real good Zach's rank. And dividend yield 1.4, so this is the biggest dividend yield here. And um, stock is $167 now. So yeah, not like real cheap as far as the stock price either. Sorry about that. But you're going to pay for some of these um, older names. Now, remember to always do your own homework on these companies. Um, you know, as I, as I keep saying, we're in earnings season and they're all going to be reporting. So listen in on those conference calls. You're going to learn a lot about what's happening with the business and how bullish they actually are. Also, you might want to check to see if any insiders are buying in some of these. Some of these older companies, they tend not to, but not always. I've seen them um, on some of these in the past. And if they do, that's even more bullish. So be sure to tune in and check those out. Um and also, you know, I know some of these are a little bit higher than what a typical value investor would be in. And so you might want to wait for a pullback. We will get one eventually and they will get cheaper. Also, those tax cuts, as I mentioned, will make the E of the PE um, go up. So this, this will make these stocks appear cheaper. So we could see um, a little bit better valuations going forward as the earnings rise here. But these kind of industrial old school names are no longer dirt cheap like they were maybe a year or two ago, but um, still pretty attractive. And if you follow Buffett's investing philosophy, that means picking the winners. You know, in some cases, these companies have emerged as the winners over the last, like I said, almost 200 years for deer that's a winner. Um, they just have taken out all their competitors, even globally now. So uh, those are the kind of companies that Buffett likes to own and that we as value investors and just investors in general like to own as well. So remember, too, if you want to get the special report on how to invest like Warren Buffett, there's some more tips in there than just what was on this podcast and their stocks. Go to zax.com slash value. That special is still going on at zax.com slash value. Get your free Invest Like Buffett report over there. And let me recap all the tickers of these old school companies uh, that we have this week. We had General Electric, which is GE. Uh, you might want to keep that one on your short list for now. Um, we had Masco, MAS, Sherwin-Williams, SHW, Fortune Brands, Home and Security, FBHS, and then Deer & Company is DE. And I'll be back next time with um, even more stocks. So be sure to tune in.